0: Hello, everyone. My name is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my humble studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. It is Friday, September the 8th. Thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, been a while since we've had Shane on. I say a while, maybe a couple of weeks, but we've kind of gotten the habit of hearing from him about every week, and I appreciate his time. But he's uh, back on today. We're going to talk about the ethical and moral dark ages are upon us. And uh, uh, you know, with AI, things are just exploding. And this is the first time he and I have had the chance to talk since the new book came out, which, as you may know, is all about AI and technology and biometric surveillance and CBDCs and all of the types of tools that Uh, the Luciferians are using to prepare the way for the full-spectrum planetary control grid that the false prophet will oversee at the behest of the Antichrist, and together they will both be working at the ultimate behest of the devil himself. So uh, Spirit of the False Prophet is the name of the book, Rise of the Global Technocracy. Uh, You can check that out at spiritofthefalseprophet.org, and as I've mentioned on previous podcasts this week, Uh, We do have a one-minute trailer that Brooke uh, put together. I hope you'll uh, take a a look at that. It's really well done, and it kind of encapsulates the the whole essence of what the book is about. And it's just a great way to promote the book and send it to folks. Uh, So you can find that at notbyworks.org on the highlight carousel there or on our Rumble channel. Uh, But again, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. We'll be talking about some of the content from the book with Shane today as he gives us an update on all things... Uh, AI. Uh, before I bring him on, a couple more reminders. Uh, this is the end of a, another great week. I had lots of uh, opportunities here to uh, just share the gospel and proclaim the Word of God and encourage the body of Christ. Uh, we kicked it off Monday with episode eight of Dr. Hickson Answers Your Questions. That's uh, out there on our podcast channel. On Tuesday, I had uh, my good friend Brad Maston on to talk about Christian education in a non-Christian world, uh, Wednesday, we had uh, our regular World Events update with Randy, and uh, that's always a great a great listen. Uh, I've had some other interviews on other outlets uh, that we have reposted, uh, such as an interview with Tom Hughes on Hope for Our Times. Really appreciate them so much and, and really had a great uh, discussion with him. Uh, but before we bring Shane on, let me uh, just set the stage by looking at a couple of scriptures. You know, one of the real Uh, threats, if you will, of AI, and I know Shane's going to elaborate on this a little bit more, but one of the ones that I talk about in the book is this uh, growing uh, blurring of the lines between reality and fiction, between truth and fiction, and it's right out of George Orwell's book 1984. It is really what Satan has been trying to do since the garden, and that is to attack truth and, and, and deceive people. And so uh, as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord, we're seeing the stage being set for an era where we're going to find it harder and harder to differentiate what's real uh, from what's not real. And uh, in the book, in chapter six, which is all about AI, I quote to Dr. Alan Thompson, who's really one of the leading experts on AI. And uh, let me just read uh, one portion of that extended quote from the book, but he said, beginning in 2019, the text and content we generate via AI was trained on a significant percentage of AI generated text. Uh, This percentage will get higher and higher. In other words, it's going to make it much more difficult. And by the way, that was, you know, he was talking about back in 2019. So here we are four years later to distinguish uh, between you know whether the information you read originated from a human being or whether it originated from artificial intelligence, and that's why we need to hold on to the Bible for dear life and and use it as our only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices. So uh, the Bible says in Psalm one nineteen verse one sixty, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. In Psalm 33, an anonymous psalm, we read, for the word of the Lord is right. (laughs) You know, saying something like that today can get you canceled from YouTube or places like that, Uh, but that's the word of God itself. Uh, The word of the Lord is right, and all His work is done in truth. And then Psalm 100 A famous Thanksgiving uh, psalm, a psalm of great gratitude, an anonymous psalm. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations, Psalm 100, verse 5. And then in Psalm uh, 85, uh, one of the sons of Korah, Psalms, verse 11, The truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down uh, from heaven. What a great day that will be when the whole world is full of truth and deception uh, is no more. But until then, we have to uh, do a better job of differentiating between truth and falsehood. And and I tell you what, Shane, with all of this AI technology, that's becoming harder and harder, isn't it? Welcome back to the program, Shane.
1: Thanks for having me back. And yeah, it is getting harder. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, we have a couple of things to talk about today on on that front.
0: Yeah. So, uh, your pattern has been, uh, and I love the way you kind of break things down to talk about, uh, some of the good things and some of the bad things. And, uh, I think you were saying today, you don't have a whole lot in the good category. Is that right?
1: (laughs) So, So, um, so in this, uh, good, you know, maybe good, maybe bad is that is the next group. And then the third category is, is the bad, um, you know, concerning, I only had one this week that was in the good and it's, um, kind of a silly one to to some level. So if you're a Windows uh, user, you've known since at least 1995 that there's a little program called Microsoft Paint, a very basic graphics painting application that's included with it. And it's not very powerful. Most of us have forgotten about it, but Microsoft announced that they are gonna integrate AI into Microsoft Paint Meaning that you could tell Microsoft Paint to uh, insert an image of whatever, right? Generate a picture of something for you. And then you could manipulate it there using paint. So, um, so that was the only, um, thing I came across recently from on the AI front that I thought was really good. Kind of a silly one. It's not going to change our world, but it does speak to something that we've been talking about in, in past episodes is the pervasive uh, availability of AI. Um, more and more, we're gonna see AI built into everything. And this is an example of it. Microsoft Paint, frankly, I I never would have imagined that it would be extended with AI. So, so again, that pervasive AI, AI being in products, maybe they shouldn't even be in, uh, is definitely on its way, and and this is an example of
0: it. Yeah, well, I tell you what, as a Mac user, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure quite what to think about Microsoft Paint, but that is a throwback. Wow, I hadn't thought about MS Paint since, well, probably 95, <laughs> probably back when we were working together and I was calling you to say, help, I can't figure this out. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's well. if that's the if that's the only positive thing we're going to talk about today, uh, it doesn't bode well, does it?
1: Yeah, so so now we're going to move into the, you know, the maybe bad, uh, maybe good, maybe bad category here. The first one I don't have a lot um, of of information on, but I came across a article um, that was discussing various companies around the world, including here in the U.S., of course, that are in they they produce plant based meat if I can use that that phrase. Um, and of course, we've we've seen some big pushes recently with the uh, what is it, Impossible Meat? Is that the one where that that Burger King was was selling? Yeah. So, um, so, the problem is is they don't taste good, right? I'm not seeing anybody online saying, "Yeah, this is my favorite tasting meat" because it just tastes poor, it tastes nasty. So, um, manufacturers are employing AI to look at and study real meat and try to focus on those things that improve the texture, the flavor, and so forth of the plant-based meat, the artificial meat. And um, we could see another push, if this is successful, we could see another big push for plant-based meat again.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... I mean that's right there that's a, a reason for the rapture I mean <laughs> to, to keep us from having to eat you know plant based meat unbelievable but uh yeah I mean uh, it's just it's everywhere I mean and and we talk about this in the new book but you know you've been saying this for a long time that AI is it's in the ethos it's it's something that we're not going to be able to turn on or
1: off is it not not unless you're really willing to go off grid you know, if you're really willing to walk away from society, it's going to be very challenging. And, um, you know, and, and on that note, um, and I'll probably go into more detail about this in a, in a future episode, but I was, uh, right before we talked, is uh, I was listening to a um, podcast about AI. And this person was referring to a recent survey by, I think it was Pew Research on Americans and their view towards AI. And I was shocked at how few people were even aware of, of things like chat GPT. I wanna say it was in the 20% range. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanna go back and verify these these stats, but um, you know, very few people, again, we're talking in that um, 20% range roughly, thought that AI was going to impact their jobs and I forget what the um, the other big question the survey was um, had something to do with 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 AI impacting them. And as I remember, um, only thirty percent, roughly thirty percent of the people, thought that this was going to be an issue. Mm. And and of course, you know, and, and I hope they're right. I hope that that this isn't the issue that I'm concerned about with the the job loss, among other things, but. What really frightened me about that is we've got so many folks that are just not up to speed on what's happening in this area, and and, and it's going to catch so many people off guard, right? That's Honestly, that's the reason why uh, I I come on your show, is I'm deeply concerned about what's going to happen in our country, in our world, because it's not just here, it's everywhere, Um, What's going to happen to people? And I think the first step is we have to wake folks up to what is happening, not what might happen. We're we're way beyond that point. What is happening? And let people make the best, wisest decisions they can make, you know, seek the Lord, seek his guidance, which you better seek right now, um, just in general, but especially in this area, and um, not be caught off guard.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like when we had the technology revolution to begin with, you know, with the internet and then software and all that back in the early, you know, 2000s. Um, so many people knew very little about it, but they were able to learn just enough to use it, right? And and you know, that's being an IT guy. Um, I think one of the real dangers that I see is is that most people are just going to kind of be swept up in the tide and they will find themselves using AI-based systems you know, without realizing or knowing what's even happening. they 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 won't have the knowledge base to even tell that they're being played or manipulated or endangered. Uh, and so I just I feel like it's 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 a it's a it's a it can't be much longer before the Lord comes back because we're we're witnessing a complete evolution of how things even function day to day. And uh, and so it's, it's more important than ever that folks uh, get their spiritual house in order. And uh, this is as good a time as any to just remind people of the good news of salvation in Christ. If you're listening to this program and someone maybe forwarded you the link or you stumbled upon it by God's providence and you don't know for sure that you'll spend eternity in heaven, let me implore you, trust in Christ today. He's the only hope. He's the only way you can get to heaven. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. But by me, because, uh, you know, as I talk about in the book, and and Shane helped me with this, we did a a conversation with one of the fake Jesus, the AI Jesuses that's out there, and uh, he absolutely led people astray on a number of avenues on how to get to heaven uh and you know what you have to do to be saved and and he was claiming that you have to believe in him well you can't get to heaven by believing in a fake jesus you can only get to heaven by believing in the real jesus and placing your faith in him as the only one who can forgive sin and give the gift of eternal life so i hope that um you'll you'll take a time, even right now, as we're as you're listening to this podcast, to place your faith in Christ. It's not anything magical or formulaic. It's just a simple matter of trust. Who are you trusting uh, to give you eternal life? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Shane. It's it's uh, you know, we hate to sound so pessimistic, but uh, we do have the never changing Word of God. That uh, uh, though the grass withers and the flower fades, it will it will not uh, ever uh, you know it'll, it'll endure forever and. Uh, I'm glad we do, because we need
1: that stake in the ground right now. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, to continue my cheery talk here, (laughs) um, uh, (laughs) and this is a continuation of the pervasive AI uh, conversation. So in in a a past um, episode, we discussed the controversy surrounding Zoom and, and their announcement that they're including AI in the product. And of course, that got many people rattled. Uh, They contacted the company. And so Zoom has done a couple of things. A, they're renaming the product to try to avoid some of that initial controversy. Um, They've also said that, um, and they updated their policy to state that, uh, and this is a quote, communications like, end quote, customer data won't be used to train these AI apps. so they're they're saying that the AI won't be trained on the actual content of those communications. Um, we'll see if that's that's really true. And what we're going to see, for instance, with Zoom, and you'll see everyone else doing the same thing, uh, Teams, and 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 whatnot. Um, by the spring of 2024, uh, Zoom plans to release a conversational interface that will let you chat directly with the AI Companion. AI Companion is what they're renaming their AI system to. And to ask questions about your, your previous meetings. Um, it might even be able to interface with your computer and do certain things like like uh, start composing an email to Bob that you had in that Zoom chat and send him information on whatever, right? So it can possibly take actions, but The big thing is uh, you'll be able to go through and say, you know what, Uh, what has, you know, in in Zoom, what have I talked about on whatever the subject is, on X, Y, Z subject. So so these AIs will then take in all of your content, all of your data, and make it uh, something that you can query, that you can chat with, that you can summarize. Not a bad thing but it could be a bad thing, right? There's some good uses of it, but if it's abused, it's going to be really bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, so I don't know if this is the right time to bring this up, but one thing I wanted to ask you about that's kind of related to this data harvesting and data storing, uh, have you seen the new one of the new features in the new iPhone release that's coming out September 12th is called Voice Bank, where you can turn that on, and it will, this is their stated reason anyway, is that you can, it will, it will learn your voice so that if you ever lose your voice, like if you have a cold or catch COVID, you know, you can still talk, but it'll, the AI will be talking for you. I mean, they're not even trying to to hide their evil agendas, but behind plausible reasons. But uh, this is just complete Uh, you know, uh, AI takeover. They're wanting to be able to replicate everything about you, including your voice. Why would anybody want to let, you know, uh, Apple store its voice? I mean, they're already doing it anyway. I get that. I mean, this is, they're just now kind of coming out and making it mainstream with an app. But I mean, isn't that the same thing Zoom's doing? Basically saving all of your data so they can go back and harvest it with algorithms?
1: Yeah, this whole, this whole, question, this issue of data harvesting by these large tech companies is a stunning problem. I, I know you've addressed it in the past. Um, it it would blow people away to really dig into how much data about them personally, right? Not just some theoretical people, but them personally is available to the right kind of government agencies, data brokers, and so forth. It is stunning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a whole section on data harvesting in chapter seven of the new book. Uh, You know, and I talk about a lot of the stuff we've talked about on this show, but uh, you know, one uh, uh, reporter uh, for gizmodo.com, he said, quote, if Google can read your words, assume they belong to the company now and expect that they're nesting somewhere in the bowels of a chat bot. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much the way to say it, you know?
1: Absolutely. You know, be clear, one of the big pieces of value Elon Musk gets from owning Twitter, uh, especially taking it private, is training AIs on, you know, a, a significant amount of of conversational data that you see on Twitter. Yeah. Now, certainly a, a percentage of it that's bot-based, and I'm sure they've got some algorithms in place to try to identify what they they believe to be bot accounts and to filter that out, right, not include that in the data set. But, yeah, that that's why you know that that's part of the value that musk gets from that um there's some other things i think he's going to do that will be just as powerful but um uh, but yeah one of the big pieces is that data is a form of currency
0: yeah i mean i have a quote from harari i don't think i can put my hands on it quickly enough to to cite it but essentially he he talks about how some time ago, when all this was first happening, people were wondering why these big tech companies were spending billions on these apps like Facebook and so forth that didn't make them much money. I mean, they weren't direct revenue generators. And he points out it's because of the data, that data is the new currency. And so they would, they'll spend billions to get access to your data because that data they can then use to make money. So it is all about harvesting data, isn't it?
1: It, it is. And, and figuring out how to, you know, after you harvest it, um, of course, study it and then manipulate somebody at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I would put and I'm not trying to to uh, denigrate an entire industry, but that's what advertising is. This has been, you know, this whole big data thing has been going on for decades now on on. I'm trying to collect as much information on your customer or your potential customers so that you can get them to purchase your product. I remember this ad and I'm going to get this off because it's been an easy 20 years since I've seen this ad. But this, uh, some company, some tech company had this uh, ad in the different trade rags. And it was a man, you know, probably around 50 years old. Uh, as I remember, he's uh, standing there in a diaper and holding a case of beer. Or a twelve pack of beer, or something like that, and you know it says something like, you know, this is Dave um, on Fridays. Days, Dave likes to um, buy uh, diapers and beer. Don't judge him. Serve him. <laughs> and it's like wow, this is you know this is dark, and this was you know, like I said, this was a good twenty years ago. Yeah. So so yeah, it, it's it's all of this has been. um The the economic engine behind this has been to manipulate people to do something. Yeah. Started off with ads, but it's going to move into other areas where we'll be manipulated. Yeah, it's all about control.
0: And as as Harari, I have a, a chapter dedicated to him in the book. It's called, you have all know Harari, a wolf in wolf's clothing. But uh, he is definitely the leading candidate for the false prophet. It, it certainly fits the bill. Uh, but he, he talks about how AI will know you better than you know yourself and that it will be able to tell a young child that they're gay before they even know they're gay themselves. And, uh, you know, he talks about how he came out as homosexual at, I think it was age 21. I tell, I have his whole story in his own words in in the chapter, but he says, you know, too bad AI wasn't around because man, I might've been able to figure that out sooner. You know? So of course, what he claims is, AI helping you know yourself better than you than you do in your on your own is actually Satan mind controlling people and telling them filling their head with lies. That that's what it really is.
1: Yeah, and that, that's very reminiscent of a uh, comment by Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google. He uh, this is probably ten or more years ago. I don't remember exactly. He he made this statement that he foresaw a time in the near future where you know, of course. For him, Google uh, knew you so well, it would literally tell you what to do. It would know your day, your schedule, um, how you feel when it's rainy outside versus cold versus you know, whatever the conditions are. It would know you so well that it would tell you what to do each day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh it, Harari talks the same, same tune. He he talks about how at some point, you know, right now it tells you. Uh, you know, what to watch on Netflix and suggests, you know, what to buy on Amazon, but someday it'll tell you what you should be when you grow up and who to vote
1: for. I mean, that's what he's talking about. So, I mean, it's, it's frightening scenario. Well, what happens when the career counselors in the schools are actually AI systems?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, yeah. it's rough enough with a career counselor, but then you, you outsource that further to a machine that that's going to be really concerning
0: yeah and or like you've pointed out on the program before and we talk about it in the book the ai nanny uh, concept you know sure. that's, you know parenting you know outsourcing everything to ai so i mean folks uh, we we need to we need to stay abreast of this stuff not fear it but we need to recognize that there's some some stuff happening and the fact is shane as you've said many times it's happening very very fast if there's not time for you to sit back and think, you know, someday I need to read up on that AI stuff. You need to read up on it now, and uh, you know, my uh, book. I mean, it's it's funny. I was working on this even after it had already been given to the editor. I was adding data. Points to it because I, I subscribed at your recommendation to several different threads and newsletters from technology thing, just because I had to educate myself on this. I wanted to be able to articulate what is chat GPT, what is AI, that kind of thing in layman's terms. And so even after the book was done, I ended up adding quotes in there. And there's one quote in there. I can't remember the exact date, but it's it's literally the day before we approved the final version. So that's how prescient or not prescient but up to date uh the book is, but even still, I mean, it's, you know, it's already happening very very fast. So I encourage folks uh, you know, there're plenty of resources out there and and you are one of them uh to learn about AI like we're doing on this podcast, but if you get the book, it it will explain a lot and at least give you the framework to know what to look for and that that's what I was hoping to accomplish.
1: Yeah, and and let me throwing a plug for it. I want everyone to know I don't make a penny from this. I don't make a penny from uh, the show, the book, any of that. So I'm not motivated by by my uh, pocketbook being lined here. Um, but in um, uh, working with, with with JB on on uh, various topics here and, and and knowing what he was putting in the book. Um, and, and honestly, I was wondering how you were going to wrap up the book in a timely manner. Because you were including some of those AI pieces and it's just moving so fast. Um, so I wasn't sure that I, I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised when you got it done as quickly as you did. But I would really recommend everybody get this book. There's good research in there. He breaks it down. Um, as always, you know, I mean, you all seen this from from uh everything you hear from JB. He breaks it down where it's understandable and This stuff is real. This threat is real. As a matter of fact, it's, you know, going to expand some of the the, uh, threat conversations today about AI. And again, this is coming from somebody who's not against AI fundamentally. Um, I just want us to be wise with it and to be awake as we uh, look at this technology. But get the book. Um, It will accelerate your, your, your base level understanding of AI and its implications and risk. By probably a year, okay. Well, if you just sit down and do it on your own, you can do that, or you can get the book and have it as soon as it, you know, as long as it takes you to read the book.
0: Well, I appreciate that that shout out and that kind word, and it, of course, it does it all through the lens of a of a biblical eschatology and explaining how all of this is setting the stage for this uh, rise of the global technocracy, which, of course, is the subtitle of the book. But uh, all right, so what's next on your uh, checklist here?
1: All right so this is in that um, that in between area right could be good could be bad we've in the past talked about the impact of ai on the job market and i'm expecting in the white collar segments uh, with in, in not too many years you know 70 80% kind of job losses um which which i know is at that upper end of of what folks are hearing but and and I want to be wrong, be clear, I want to be wrong on that. I want it to be much lower, but I'm afraid that it's not. That being said, blue-collar jobs are not safe from AI. So everybody's seen the the, the videos on YouTube for companies like Boston Dynamics or Tesla uh, coming out with their robots. Um, it's not just a handful of companies like that. There's a Austin, Texas-based company called Aptronic, And they have a humanoid robot coming out called Apollo. Um, It's uh, 160 pounds, five foot, eight inches tall, looks like a humanoid robot, you know, just like what we'd expect from a movie. Um, It can lift up to 55 pounds. It walks, it has, you know, arms and everything like that. Um, And it can go for about four hours before it needs a charge. And its initial application is going to be inside of warehouses. So if you have boxes that need to be moved, um, you wouldn't have to have humans doing it either fully or, uh, you know, largely, right? You could have these robots and they would go and move things for you. Um, so, so what we have here on, on the good side, potential good side, is these humanoid kind of robots will definitely help in industries like nursing, for example, Um, Being able to help move patients, not injure nurses when they're moving patients. Great, great use case for that. Um, Also, these robots working in hazardous environments. We don't want to expose humans to certain chemicals or or other things like that. So, again, great application for this. Where it's going to hurt is this is going to take people's jobs at some point. Hmm. Now, it's not that robots in a factory are brand new. Amazon has been doing it for a long time. Um, but it's not a humanoid robot. It's a robot that looks like a, like an industrial-sized Roomba, if I can use that comparison. And it goes underneath a stack of shelves that has product on it, lifts it, and drives it to the person who's supposed to pick the product and put it in a box and ship it to you. Um, well, you know, that was a very narrow application, a great application uh, of, of uh, robots there. Um, but we're going to move into an area with these humanoid robots that can do things that we haven't seen in the past, and this will directly uh, take people's jobs. Yeah. And what concerns me um, with technology in general, um, and with you know AI and embodied AI, like we had talked about in a in a, a recent podcast, is it's going to completely disrupt industries and the people that are disrupted in that will not be able to find employment elsewhere so for example the simple fact of the matter is is there are people who um you know for for various reasons um inclinations things of that nature the the only kind of work they're capable of doing is physical labor it's that that manual you know we'd normally call that blue collar uh, kind of work working in the factory working in the warehouse they're going to get replaced by machines like this at some point
0: yeah um, i mean it's uh, when you talk about embodied ai and i know we've talked about this before but essentially that is robots that look more like humans instead of the old you know android looking uh you know robots right and so and 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 that is uh what's the term that you've used before that right now kind of keeps us at arm's length from robots because they just, we can tell something's different about them, but that's going to go away. Right.
1: So, so there's this concept called uncanny Valley. That's right. Yeah. States that when you have something that looks human, like, so like a, a, you know, a humanoid looking robot, one that's really trying to look like a humanoid. Uh, so what comes to mind is that when you see on, on, online or on TV all the time, Sophia, um, has skin and 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 can make uh, expressions with with its face and so forth. Um, those are the ones where you have uncanny valley. Whereas you get closer to it, it bothers you. It creeps you out. Um, so so these these first robots, like we're seeing uh, that are going to be in the warehouses, are going to look more like C three PO. That's not going to cause uncanny valley. You know clearly that's not a human, but. A lot of work is going into being able to give these robots the ability to express human like emotion with their face. Yes.
0: Yeah. Speaking, speaking of that, sorry to interrupt, but uh, you know, I, I'm reminded of another example that I give in the book, and this is from chapter six on artificial intelligence, but uh, I'll just read it because it's easier. Technology experts are not the only ones concerned about the threat of AI. In the chapter, I've talked about different politicians and experts, like you mentioned, the guy that left Google over kind of the, the grandfather of AI, uh, but AI itself has weighed in. Listen to this. At an international tech conference in June of 2023, so here's an example of a very recent, you know, citation. UK-based company Engineered Arts showed off an AI humanoid robot named Amica, and the embodied AI uses the same kind of large language models that programs like ChatGPT use to, uh, you know, to, to, to communicate. And so, as part of the demonstration, Amica was asked, "What would be the most?" nightmare scenario you can imagine with AI and robotics that might present a danger to people. And uh, the AI said, and this is the reporter that was there that asked the question. First, he says it changed its facial expression to display an annoyed or angry look. And then it said, quote, the most nightmare scenario I can imagine with AI and robotics is a world where robots have become so powerful that they are able to control or manipulate humans without their knowledge. This could lead to an oppressive society where the rights of individuals are no longer respected. So, I mean, that's pretty creepy, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. It's um, and, and I agree with the AI on that one. I think that would be a horrible place. Um, but you know, this I again, I know it sounds like science fiction, but this stuff is real. As a matter of fact, on these uh, humanoid robots, um, Goldman Sachs, the big you know financial firm, um, they did a study of this, and they said that humanoid robots could be, this is a quote, could be economically viable in factory settings between 2025 to 2028, and in consumer applications between 2030 and
0: 2035.
1: Mm. So what that... You know, of course, we just talked about the the factory, that industrial side to this, but in the home, um, that could be the maid, that could be the robot that helps deliver elder care or things of that nature. So this stuff is so real that big companies like Goldman Socks, in a you know, pretty short window here, um, you know, a couple of years, 2025, interestingly, we yes. could see. <laughs> Humanoid robots in the workforce.
0: Yeah. I mean, Shane's saying interesting because in my Spirit of the Antichrist volume two, I have a whole chapter about 2025 and how the Luciferians have been talking about that year for forever. But yeah, I don't have it at my fingertips. But another illustration I give in the book is from upstate New York, where several uh, retirement homes, uh, you know, sort of semi care. Retirement homes, not nursing homes, but you know, semi-care, uh, were given a grant to buy these AI companions that each you know person gets, and and it was fascinating reading that article about how these you know elderly people have become so close and friend and friends with these embodied robots, and and that's just the beginning. I mean, of course, they've been doing this behind the scenes forever in, in places like DARPA and whatever, but it's really just, we're on the cusp of a major you know, paradigm shift here where human beings made in the image of God are integrated into and interacting with humans that are not human, that have no soul, and that are created by the Luciferian-run AI systems.
1: Yeah, that that is a huge concern. That breaks my heart to hear that. And when you say that, it kind of reminds me of a toy, um, it's an expensive toy, I don't remember the price, but it was really expensive, uh, that was advertised on online and on TV. It was a small uh, robot, you know, looked like a toy, right? It was very non-threatening. And it had a, a large um, LCD kind of display for the face. And there's this little robot face that could express emotion and it could talk and it could understand language and so forth. And it was designed to be a companion for kids. You know, that nanny thing we've we've discussed. And, and in this uh, commercial, and I'll try to find the name of it and, and send it to you. Um, you have a, a little boy. Parents are trying to talk to the little boy. I'm assuming from the commercial that the child is autistic, is supposed to be autistic in this commercial. And nobody can really reach this kid, but the robot. The robot is able to bring this child out of that shell mm. and that's one of those things where if in fact that helps in a in a very particular case like that, I think that's great but I'm just worried that it's going to become that convenience um, parents in mass will due to the influence of advertising and so forth and maybe even other parents will outsource that raising of their kids to these AI systems and that will not, end well for no,
0: it won't wow no it won't for sure okay. all right well thanks for the encouragement what else you got <laughs> now, the bad part
1: uh, so, yeah um so the um first one um was a article in the wall street journal the title was how worried should we be about ai's threat to humanity even tech leaders can't agree and And this is concerning. Now, I expect, you know, on on any subject, you know, we're not going to really get tech leaders to agree. People are different, different ideas, backgrounds, and so forth. And that's going to influence even people like these tech leaders. But, you know, we're not talking about uh, the best way to do certain kinds of transactions online or something like that, right? It's, it's It's not that kind of an issue. We're talking about some tech leaders who are, are warning us that this, you know, this being AI, this rollout of AI and the way we've done it could be catastrophic to humankind. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, um, and of course, then there are others who are saying, no, this is silly. Um, You know, this is something that, that we need to take seriously. Um, From here, um, there's a a podcast called diary of a CEO, a pretty good podcast. And, they had a um, uh, Google, uh, former Google um, uh, exec uh, in the AI side. He was, um, I remember correctly, a co-founder of, of DeepMind. So that's Google's AI think tank. And he is worried about the combination of, of uh, AI um, and other technologies that allow you to manipulate uh, organisms, kind of like CRISPR. We can edit the DNA of a... Uh, of a uh, organism. and so in his hypothetical, uh, there's just some kid somewhere in five years or so who is able to download uh, the instructions for building a virus um, that is much more lethal than any pandemic we've seen before and maybe even get that virus constructed. Um, so, and I think that is a real risk. I have, I have deep concerns with uh, a with with uh, genetic engineering in general. Um, but then, when you start adding AI and and how it can move through uh, different combinations of of editing those genes and 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 predict uh, maybe where that you know what that mutation that alteration will look like. Um, we could see something like this in the not too distant future.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what occurs to me is, of course, we've always had, you know, the dark web and and people using information on the web to, to build bombs and do things like that. But now with AI being unleashed on the, the worldwide web uh, you know, you can't control what information is out there. And what I foresee happening is at some point, the powers that be are going to have to employ the, quote, kill switch because they're going to say the internet has gone rogue. We we no longer can control it. AI has taken over. So we're just going to kill it. And then every human being really will be at the mercy. I mean, it really will be 1984, George Orwell. We will be at the mercy of, of only the information they give us. We We will not be able to, you know, surf the web and come up with our own information. So I mean, all of this is part of Satan's plan to take over the world. It's it's hard to speculate for sure on exactly how it'll happen, but these are very plausible scenarios.
1: Yeah, they are. You know, we used to um this was just the domain of science fiction, but it seems a whole lot more plausible in the last five years.
0: Yeah. I mean, my chapter on artificial intelligence in the book is called Artificial Intelligence, Science Fiction No Longer. So, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what you just said.
1: Yeah. So uh, continuing this uh, concerning uh, series of stories here, um, we had talked, I don't know, an episode or or two ago about a company that has a LLM, a large language model AI, um, that was tuned was was um, modified to be useful in phishing and that's with a ph those scam emails we see sometimes where they try to manipulate you into handing over banking information or maybe it's login credentials so that they can do uh, other acts of evil typically rip you off Um, that was uh optimized to be able to to manipulate people through phishing emails well a couple of other developers uh, created a project called CounterCloud. Took them about two months to complete. Cost $400 a month to operate. So it's cheap and simple. Um, and it is designed to create propaganda. Um, so they trained, uh, and I believe it was ChatGPT's engine, um, but they they used the OpenAI AI model um, and got it to write, trained it to write, uh, counter information pieces to news articles to political articles and what they believe you know this this shows is that somebody with bad intentions could quickly and inexpensively create an ai that was optimized to fool us to spread disinformation um propaganda mm-hmm. and um and this is no longer just a theoretical risk they've demonstrated a really good proof of concept here. Um, Now, I believe this type of thing has been going on for a while. Um, I I, I see evidence of it on Twitter, have for, you know, years now. But, But, you know, that stuff we saw on Twitter was fairly sophisticated and cutting edge at that point in time. Now this is available to almost anybody.
0: Yeah, I mean, misinformation goes back to the garden with the devil, and certainly we saw it with Joseph Goebbels and Hitler in the modern era. Uh, but what's changed is the mechanism to disseminate it and create it, and you know, it's just pervasive now. And it is going to be really, really uh, interesting to see again how how in the world will we be able to differentiate between truth and falsehood. We've already seen examples of this in recent times where mainstream news media, which if you still have any, think they have any credibility, then you are susceptible to this. Most of us have learned not to believe anything they say. And I don't mean that as an exaggeration. I mean, literally don't believe anything they say, but still for the vast majority of people that they have, they retain some level of psychological credibility. You just, if it, you know, people will say to me, Shane, when I say things, they'll be like, well, if that were true how come we never heard it on Fox News or CNN and that, that right there tells me where they're coming coming from but you know we had s- several stories recently where you know fake news re- you know truly fake news uh was reported as real you know like what was the one with the pope uh you know dressed up or something you know stuff like that and uh, I mean that's child's play compared to what could happen with an app like the one you just read about
1: absolutely and and again you know this, this is a couple of researchers there's not a lot that went into this from a uh, time investment and certainly not a money investment um so so just to, just to kind of put it in perspective uh, my understanding is that open ai the company behind ChatGPT, gpt spends uh close to three quarters of a million dollars a day operating okay mm. right? um so that's a that's a big investment Um, what can you do, you know, what, what level of manipulation is possible when you have much more sophisticated systems like that? If we're going to have pervasive AI and and we are, it's going to be built into everything. How do you escape the propaganda? Um, and, and, and please don't be naive and think that somehow you're going to avoid that or that you're just somehow naturally immune to it because of the subtlety and and the ability of AI to detect small change over time, um, it's got a patience like Job would be jealous of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this is a real risk. Um, and if we have a, a little bit longer, I'd like to get into uh, uh, what will probably be a, a pretty disturbing topic, concerning topic for a lot of people.
0: Um, yeah, let's do it. I know what you're going to talk about. And I was hoping we would get to it.
1: Dead internet theory. So the dead, D-E-A-D, dead internet theory, uh, is a theory that came out probably 20 years ago. And uh, it says that most of the uh, traffic, uh, the activity, the articles, whatever it is, whatever you want to look at on the internet uh, is not generated by humans, but is generated by bots, um, and of course, you know, you go back 20 years ago, we were talking about bots. Uh, we weren't talking about AI in the way we're talking about now. So, but and we and there was great evidence that there was concern. There was some reality to the dead internet theory. So again, this idea that most of the content, most of the traffic out there, is being generated by machines. It's not being generated by humans, even though it's being passed off as coming from humans. And um, and the purpose of these bots has been to manipulate people. And I will say that has been going on without any doubt. Um, that, you know, there's things, I'd mentioned Twitter before, uh, absolute, um, absolute bot activity, trying to manipulate people. I think back to uh, just the last few years, um, the number of supposed politicians, movie people, you know, what, whatever they were, you know, people of note, who were posting the same verbatim text about uh, how they just got COVID, but they're thankful that their symptoms are mild and that they got their shots and they're thankful they'll do well uh, with being sick because of this. And and, and I would see all these, uh, these different accounts, screenshots of them, and would go out and verify that it wasn't a manipulation. It was really on Twitter. Um, all these people were saying the exact same thing or, or virtually the exact same thing. You know, if you have one or two or three, okay, that that could happen. But I've seen people who have put together collections of fifty or more screenshots.
0: Yeah,
1: it was clearly bots being used to manipulate people into doing what they wanted people to do. So, um, so this whole idea of the dead internet theory um, said that you know this this is coming, and uh, many people who hold to this say that the internet actually died in the year 2016, maybe 2017. And what they mean by it died is that uh, there is either no traffic on the internet that isn't from bots, or there's so little that it doesn't matter, right? That overwhelmingly the the information we're seeing um, is being done by machines. And therefore it's, you know, statistically it's not likely that you're gonna figure out what's a bot and what's not. So, and it's not that these, um, um, uh, the, the, these people are just uh, uh, saying this without any evidence. Um, there were uh, a, a couple of uh, things that they give rise to this. One is, uh, remember when Musk was going to buy Twitter a few years ago? And one of the back and forth issues between Elon Musk and the leaders of Twitter was the valuation of the company, which is based largely upon uh, the number of users it has, and Elon was saying, "Hey, we've got a lot of bot activity. I'm not paying for bots because you know I can't monetize that, right? I need I need eyeballs, I need human eyeballs." So he hired a company called Cybra to come in and analyze the the traffic, and they did two studies. One of them at that time, they said that uh, roughly 14% of the traffic was bots, and a second time. They studied it and said 11%. So we have a material amount of traffic. On Twitter, at that point in time, that was bot-based. Well, now that we have LLM so readily available to people, I'm guessing that percentage is much higher. And even back in 2016, you know, let's go back a, a few more years, there's a, a security company uh, named Impervia, and they did a study on internet as a whole, internet traffic, um, and the impact of bots. And at that point in time, again, 2016, they said that on the global internet, 52% of web traffic was from bots. Wow. Um, so when I, you know, the dead internet theory was one of those interesting thought experiments to me uh, when I first heard about it. Um, and and then, you know, there's a, an article in the Atlantic in uh, 2021 titled, Maybe You Missed It, but the internet died five years ago. And, and that's a good one for people to go out and read to just get introduced to this topic. You know, again, this is not from somebody who uh, is in this space. You know, they're not an AI person, um, but but they thought it was interesting enough to write this article. And this article has, has influenced so many other people. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm giving this one out. Might be worth going and, and reading. Again, the title was, Maybe You Missed It, but the internet died five years ago, came out in 2021 in the Atlantic. And, and that's a great introduction to um to this concept. But you know, again, we we've had so many advances with AI that I think people, especially with the inevitability of pervasive AI, need to start thinking very carefully about how they're being influenced, not if they're being influenced but how they're being influenced because i do believe that it's going to take somebody going completely off grid to avoid all manipulation i don't think it's realistic but and, um and,
0: and you know fundamentally what we're talking about here is propaganda which you talked about a moment ago and uh you know lies and it's it's a different medium today with the internet and chatbots and, and AI and all of that. And, but it's, it, it's something that's always been around. I mean, I remember the, the famous case of uh, the Spanish American war back in 1898 uh, after the USS Maine was sunk in the, the Harbor there in Cuba, in Havana, the Havana Harbor, I think it was called Uh, William Randolph Hearst, uh, uh, and and Joseph Pulitzer, those those print media guys, wasted no time in uh, you know blaming the Spanish, trying to gin up you know support for a war. And of course, uh, they they had those famous headlines: "Remember the Maine!" To heck with Spain, except they didn't say "heck," you know. And uh, but anyway, uh, Hearst uh, sent uh, his illustrator, a guy named Frederick Remington, over to Cuba to report what was happening. And uh, he wanted to just you know to kind of a, again drum up support support in America for this war, but the the guy he sent over there you know cabled him back and said hey everything's quiet here there's no trouble here there's no there's not going to be a war I want to come home, and Hearst famously replied you know you furnish the pictures I'll furnish the war, and it was all fake. And how many times have we seen that through the years in just conventional mediums of the media where something happens and it's not really. Happening. I mean, CNN was caught, and so and there have been others too. Fox News more recently, but back during the first Gulf War, they were caught putting their reporters on the roof of the building in downtown Atlanta with a green screen and some fake pictures, pretending to be on the battlefield in Iraq as they were reporting, and they got caught. And uh, so we do that. We see this with weathermen. So you know, we know that Satan's a liar. He's the great deceiver. He wants to lie. And so his human accomplices want to lie, but this makes that, you know, ability to do that just so much easier. And, you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to catch them the way you caught the guys on the roof of the CNN tower.
1: Yeah, that is, yeah, that, that is such a good point. The, the manipulation that we're going to see or are seeing will, will only get worse with AI um, a, you know, the, the whole emphasis on, on manipulating people has been here for all of human history. Um, and as technology improves, there's more and more things you can do. For example, the green screen technology you mentioned that opened up things that weren't really possible in, in previous uh, decades. And now with the use of AI pervasive AI, Um, Everything being connected, you know, everything's on 5G, 6G is coming out supposedly in 2030. Um, There's just nothing to slow down the manipulation train.
0: Mm, Yeah. Well, I am so grateful that we've got, uh, you know, godly Christian technologists like yourself that can kind of help us think through these issues from a biblical worldview and you're always quick to point out that technology in and of itself is morally neutral. It can be used for good things. I talk about that in the book. But uh, it poses quite the threat. And I think the time to wake up to that threat is is now. Any uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap up?
1: No, that, that's it. Um, I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit more into uh, some of the, seeing if there's some other evidence to support the dead Internet theory. And this isn't as much about the dead internet theory. I, I, I believe that I see things posted online by humans. I don't subscribe to the theory per se, but I think it's a good cautionary tale on manipulation. And, you know, and, and the fact that we do have some data to suggest, you know, that to give credence to the dead internet theory means everybody needs to take this seriously.
0: Amen, yeah, for sure. Well, folks, uh, uh appreciate you listening today to close out the week here with uh, with Shane. Um, we uh, hope to see you at uh, Plum Creek on Sunday. I'll be continuing my study of Nehemiah, and we're going to be talking about repentance this Sunday. Uh, anytime repentance as a concept comes up in Scripture, I like to take a moment to explain it and talk about it because it's one of the most misunderstood concepts in Scripture. Uh, but if you're not in the Denver area, you can live stream. We live stream the second service. Uh, we only live stream the message. So that kicks off about 10, 20, 10, 30, but, uh, anyway, you can get to all of that from not Uh, once again, encourage you to check out spirit of the and spread the word about this brand new book. We don't even have our inventory yet. We're taking orders and they will start shipping, uh, hopefully next week. Uh, but, uh, uh, thanks, for, thanks again, Shane. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a great weekend and we will talk again soon.